Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, welcome back to Cashflow Legends. We're really excited today to drill down into the roots of something that is the foundation of everything we do. And we're going to talk about does infinite banking, does the infinite banking concept really work? And we were having a little conversation beforehand about what we wanted to be sure that we discussed and what we wanted to make very clear. So we want to say this up front. We're going to really hone in on what we know infinite banking is and can be and what it isn't and shouldn't be. And you're going to probably go, well, how is it possible that some things are and some things are not? Well, the reality is, is you've got three guys here who have been around this concept, Nate and I, for six years and brought directly or indirectly for most of his, well, all of his life uh, with his background and his dad's background. So I'm really excited to drill down into the foundation of this. Fellas, how are you guys today? Doing Superb. Well. Doing well. Mm. Yeah. Superb. Watch out now. He says, okay. Superb. Remember the other day when I said smashing and you were just like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I like smashing too. Okay. So we got superb, potentially smashing. Um, I'm excellent. I'm a, I'm a little earlier than you guys today. I'm out in Arizona, so I had to get going a little sooner than you. <laughs> All right. So first, let's just encourage anybody if you're getting value from this remember our goal is to be educators and teachers to share as much valuable knowledge as we can from our experiences our clients experiences our interactions daily and at the end of the day if you were really break it down show you teach you help you understand how to keep more of what you earn so you can earn more with what you keep and i always want to be sure we let that marinate so if this is bringing any value to you please hit like subscribe all the buttons that are needed and we would really appreciate that and benefit from it so what is infinite banking? I'm going to go straight to the horse's mouth, or straight from the horse's mouth and read out of Becoming Your Own Banker. Nelson Nash wrote the book Becoming Your Own Banker around 2000 or 2001. And the infinite banking concept is a part of, it spawns from Becoming Your Own Banker. And Nelson says this on page three. This book is not about investments of any kind. It is about how one finances the things of life, which can certainly include investments. And then I'm going to add this. He also emphasizes this book. This book demonstrates that the need for finance during your lifetime is much greater than your need for protection. So let's start with those two thought processes. Brock, why don't you start with what it is and the foundational truths behind it? And then Nate, maybe touch on what it isn't. And we'll, we'll start diving in from there. So when we look at the um, infinite banking concept, one of the things that you want to think about, think through, is it's not a product. It's not like, you know, one single thing. It's a, it's a um, concept. It's a procedure of becoming your own bank and taking charge bringing the banking system back into your own life rather than going to someone else. And I think that I, I talk about this a lot, especially with younger guys who are extremely successful is 
we need to realize that for the rest of our lives, we're going to have to store money somewhere, right? Our money has to reside somewhere. And the only place that we can invest before going to our own bank account is our employer-sponsored retirement plans. And so if we realize that if we ever want to make an investment in something, especially like a real estate property or businesses, we need to understand money starts first at the bank account, then moves to the asset. So then that leaves us with two, two options. We either continue to save up in a bank account, and then when an asset comes along that we want to purchase, liquidate that account to move the money into the asset, and then have that asset pay back our account so we can do it again. Or option two, we have money that resides in our bank account, and we transfer that into our life insurance policy through premium payments and paid up additions. And then we borrow against that asset of life insurance to fund that asset. And that asset would then pay back the life insurance line of credit. So in either scenario, you have to pay back an account. The difference is with the bank account, you always start back over at square one. You may move faster along those, those uh, places on the uh, game board because your money's filling up the buckets quicker over time. However, when you use and leverage the life insurance component, you never truly start back over at square one. You're constantly moving forward with, with time. And the longer you do it, the better you get at it, the faster and greater you get to move. Nate, what are your thoughts? Well, you asked me what it's not. Um, you know, Brock touched on it. You know, Nelson stated it at the beginning of his book. It's not an investment. Uh, and when we see so much of the hate out there on social media for infinite banking, the people who have that hatred towards the concept think, oh, why would I stick my money in life and go put it in real estate or go put it into the stock market or whatever? And the the thing that people need to understand is it's not one of these either or things. We don't choose infinite banking. We don't choose to put our money in whole life insurance. And that's the only thing that we do. It is just a vessel for our money to flow through, uh, a vessel for money to be held and then flow through. Um, Brock said, we're, we're going to have to have money stored somewhere our entire life. So, if you have one option where you can store money that is going to be losing value over time, or you have another option where you can store money that's going to be gaining value over time, the obvious option is, well, I would like the one that's going to be gaining value over time. And because of inflation, we know when people are sitting on money and savings, just, just by that alone, there's eroding factors that are taking place. Uh, the loss of uh, power, buying power, but then you also have the fact that when money's sitting in savings, there is interest that's being earned on that, which means there's taxes that are now involved. So 
you've got all these eroding factors that are eating away at those dollars, whereas putting it in a more efficient place is going to protect you from those eroding factors. But when we're talking about internet banking, the optimal vehicle for infinite banking is a dividend paying whole life insurance policy. There's not another stable asset on the planet that can do what a dividend whole life insurance policy can do. And so that is the preferred product that we use for the concept of infinite banking. But we are simply, as Brock said, we are practicing a process in our life of taking more and more control of dollars that are flowing through our life and creating more and more efficiency for those dollars. Brandon, one thing I want to make sure we repeat there is, one, it's not an investment, and two, it's not the be-all, end-all strategy. It's one part of the entire picture. So let's, let's take those great thoughts and kind of segue into pros and cons, okay? When I started this journey six years ago, my brain tried to understand infinite banking and becoming your own banker from the point that my brain was developed at that, at that moment in time, which is very normal. We're always thinking about things at the level of thinking that we've obtained so far. And my brain right then was like, I'd only ever taught about, been taught about rate of return. And I'd only ever been taught that money in my world at that time in my life could only do one thing at a time. What you guys have just described really simply, if you if you don't use the words whole life insurance and you don't use mutual companies and that, and you really ask simple questions like Nate said a while ago, I thought, I thought it was a really good one we should emphasize again. Would you rather your money be in a place that grows guaranteed over time and doesn't lose its momentum? Or would you rather the opposite? Well, if you take out the product, we know what everybody's gonna pick when you ask that question every time. So then if you introduce the product of which one offers one and one and offers the other, then people go, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with whole life because of what I understand or what I've been told. I was that guy coming back from the Dave Ramsey route of whole life is bad. Okay. So the first thing that I think is foundational in understanding this is the someone's willingness to rethink their thinking if they're coming to it from a point of having some bias to what whole life is and mutual companies are, you know, so I really think that that's important to start with. And everybody who listens to this is going to be coming from a different point of view. Brock, you work with young guys often who have already figured out how to make a lot of money. Okay. Nate and I up until this point, first four or five years of our company, worked a lot with people who didn't understand that money had to flow and what being their own banker really meant. And they were really just trying to get out of debt in their mind first. But as they started realizing money could flow more efficiently through a process, then they started wanting to have the conversations that Brock, you get to have a lot of time with the people that you work with because it's in phases, right? We talk about this all the time. So let's talk about the true pros and cons. Okay. And, I really want to dig down into what you see every day because we know, I tell people all the time, I know this is the process that I'm going to use for the rest of my life. I know that. But when I started, I didn't know that. I couldn't wrap my brain around. So 
you know, some true pros and cons, and then I'll tie it up on the end and we'll segue into the, the next thought process. So Brock, what are a couple of just impactful pros and cons that come to your mind when you think about the infinite banking concept? The pros, I would say you're getting your money to work in more places than one. You have multiple rates of return on your dollars. You are protecting your family or those you love with a death benefit. Um, I would say those are the pros right now. Okay. Okay. Nate, hit us with some pros and we'll go back. So I think about, I think we talked about this in, in one of our previous episodes of the question. Um, the traditional financial world talks about what's the rate of return. But in our world, we often talk about what's the rate of liquidity. You know, so I think a pro is the fact that I've got access to my money because what we know about qualified plans is that people are locking away their money for 85% of their life and then hoping to enjoy it one day whenever they're they're no longer working. And well, what if what if during your working years, during your adult life, you could actually access that capital? What could you possibly do with that? So one of the, the pros, not only liquidity, but also having control of that capital. Um, putting in a qualified plan, we, we lose a lot of the control of that. Now it's now it's under the hands of money managers and ultimately the IRS. Um, so when we put that control back in our hands, now we get to go out and um, educate ourselves on things that we might want to be involved in as far as events. Um, so uh, that's another pro is it actually encourages you and motivates you to educate yourself on what else is out there instead of just handing your money over to somebody and just hoping for the best one day. So you become empowered through that. And now you get to make uh, really great decisions for yourself as far as what you're going to do. And through that, you can start to create certainty for yourself down the road of what you're going to need at the time that you need it the most. So if you get into those later years, you're still working a W-2 job, you do the traditional retirement route. If you've built up passive income along the way, then you're not solely dependent on whatever the government decides to hand back to you in the form of your qualified plan when it's all said and done. So liquidity, certainty and control, those are things that we talk about so often. Those are definitely those. All right. So I heard control through all that and peace of mind, but here's something I'm learning often and it, I see it more so. And this was me coming from only having ever worked um, as an employee six years ago. That's a little scary for somebody who's never been an entrepreneur or never, you know, taken bets on themselves to hear you're going to be fully in control of how money flows through your life. Because let's just get real honest. A lot of people have, a, I could, I'd even say a logical thought process that if all these other things that I can put my money into, I don't have to worry about because they'll take care of me. That's one less thing I have to worry about. And so a lot of times I see a lot of people have to overcome that first because when they hear becoming your own banker, they go, Ooh, banking. I don't want to understand anything about banking. That's a scary thought process. But so if we really break it down to kind of the basics, 
I'm reminded of, I think it was James Nethery that said this at one of the think tank events. He said, you don't really realize the, the impact of having control of your money until you have an emergency and don't have the capital or the money, or you have an opportunity and don't have the capital or the money that you can access. And if you really break it down to that simple, I would encourage anybody listening to go, how many times in your life so far have you had an emergency and you didn't have money that was yours that you controlled, that you could get access to, that you could control the repayment terms to, and you go, man, it'd be really nice if I could have access to that account or that account, but I've got to wait for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Or how many times have you seen an opportunity in your creative mind is uh, engaged and you go, boy, if I had some capital, I really think I could make that work. But a lot of times you stop there because you go, well, I don't want to have to deal with the penalties or the repayment terms or who's in control of how I repay it, what it, how it affects my compounding benefits in the future. So when you really think about how many times of those situations come along in your lifetime, that will start opening your eyes to, it might be interesting if I had the opportunity to do something different with how my money flows. So I want to say this before we, we move into the comments. We are not ever saying that you can't put money in your retirement accounts. We're not saying that you shouldn't put your money here. Or you shouldn't put your money there. What we are saying is, do you know why you are? Do you know what is occurring when you do that? And are you at peace with that? Or would you, and are you willing to learn a different opportunity? And you get to decide which way you want to go. I tell people that all the time that love the stock market. Great. If you love the stock market and you're really good at it, what if I could show you a more efficient way to do it where you could still go to the stock market? And they're like, I'd be interested in that. Okay. And that goes back to Brock's point. It's not the end all be all. It is a part of the process. It's a part of the financial physics, as we say a lot of times and how money flows. So, um, you know, the, cons. I'll go ahead next. Well, something, something I thought about is the, the system that we are uh, that has been created for the average worker is it's it's not even a thought. It's uh, I, you have to opt out of the four hundred one k now. You opt into it. You have to opt out of it. It's an automatic thing whenever you sign up to work at pretty much any any business that offers benefits. So they are automatically programmed that they have to be invested multiple times. And something we've talked about before, something that that Garrett taught us, um, you don't always have to be invested in things. But if you're not always invested, just make sure that your money is actually stored in a in an in an efficient environment that's actually working in your favor, that's staying strong for when those opportunities do show up. But at that mentality has been created through the 401k through the qualified plans is that the only the the average worker thinks the only way i'm ever going to retire one day is if i keep putting money into this and they never realize that there's options out there there's things that they could do brandon it wasn't long ago that we met with with a guy who um had a very successful career had a very good income, had a big fat 401k, and he just wished 
he could go back and do it all over again and actually take control of that money and put it to work in something. Um, because it was pretty much locked up until it's the, you know, the golden handcuffs, so to speak, uh, of keeping people, keeping people in that position. So, um, yeah. So as far as cons go, one of the cons that, that I tell people all the time is the biggest risk really in any strategy is your human behavior and how you treat it. I mean, that's the biggest risk in just about anything we do is, is how you treat um, that process in your life, how you treat that system. Um, there's going to be risk in everything that we do. Uh, I feel like from, from our knowledge and, and, and our experience, the process of becoming your own banker is probably on the lower side of risk <laughs> compared to just about anything else that's out there. Um, because it is more about behavior than it is about anything else. There's not really any other variables with becoming your own banker other than just your behavior. Now, there are some external circumstances. You know, if you, if you lost your job, uh, or something like that, you know, you might have to make some adjustments and changes and things like that. Uh, one positive to uh, a whole life insurance policy is that disability waiver premium rider, which is really nice, which means, you know, if you happen to be injured, the insurance company steps in and, and pays your premium. Now, loss of a job is a little bit different. So that could be a con. You know, if you lost your job, you might have to restructure things or something like that. Um, but like I said, I think the biggest con in this process and funding a whole life policy is really just, uh, your behavior and how you treat your system. And if you, if you don't have any discipline in your life, then this is going to be a big struggle for you. If your time horizon is really short, then this is going to be a big struggle for you. Like this is for people who, um, are willing to think long-term, you know, Nelson's number one principle got to be willing to think long term and if you can think long term it can be really powerful for you rock <clears throat> what are some cons that tied to that yeah cons i would say really are the uh one being the capitalization period and the mental process that that takes you through um, okay, brock brock touch on that capitalization period because to you and i nate that makes a ton of sense we've done it yeah. so long yeah so if we're, if we're using a whole life insurance policy for the infinite banking concept which I would recommend. Um, you are buying a product. Like you, you can't get past that. You are buying a product. So in the first probably one to three years, you're going to have less in the policy than what you put in, right? To where there there might not be much you can do with the money. And so a lot of people get uh, swayed away from it because they think, oh well, you know, I don't have my money for you know, three years. It's not what I put in. Well, no offense, but and I'm sorry that I'm picking on retirement plans again, but you're not going to touch the money in your retirement account either. So, you know, what's the difference? How long were uh, you going to let it sit in that retirement account before you touched it? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you got to be aware of is like, be okay with capitalizing a policy. A business takes a few years usually to really get out off the ground and running and doing amazing things. The same is true with uh, when you set up a policy, it might take you one to five to eight years 
before you really start seeing like massive, massive differences between that, you know, the year five and eight. Um, but the whole time you can use it if you need it. Right. Um, so I would, I would say that's the, that's the number one con is, is the time it might take sometimes. And a lot of that depends on your health and age. Um, another con is simply put, you know, the, the, the mental drag, I guess you could say from what other people say, um, mm, about it and how it works. And, um, I just, you know, I would be cautious of when you think through using the policy, when you think through um, getting into something like the IBC um, process, you need to understand that when you're out there and you're looking at social media, no matter what it is, people are going to probably talk against it. And people talk against most things from a different perspective. But what I've learned is most of the time when people are objecting against it, it's because of a few reasons. Either one, they're just trying to follow the herd and just say that it doesn't work. Two, they've not actually done any other research. They haven't looked at it uh, in their in their own system and talked to somebody who's used it or um, is in that world. Or three, they're coming from a standpoint of, oh, well, this doesn't work, and I'm going to tell you why it doesn't work, rather than coming to the conversation of, hey, you have a different perspective of me. I don't know how it works because I don't know what I don't know. Will you please teach me so that I might learn something new? Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to tell a quick story, <clears throat> two stories. Because to kind of help everybody understand how we're even on this together with Brock, we do a lot of work with Brock's dad, also Trent. And a, a key piece of what Nate and I have gotten to witness in the past six months to a year is asking very intentional questions to help people think about how they're thinking. And I will say this, the most successful, and I'm just talking about financially, money-wise, and the bank, clients that we have, members that we work with, they have this really cool ability to continue to go, I only understand what I think I do to this point, but I'm willing to learn something new. That comes up all the time in the conversation. They, I mean, it's like, it's almost like it's scripted. They, it's like they, they have wired themselves to go, there's always something new to learn. There's always a new layer. So yesterday I get a message from a kid that I coached back in 2009, 10, and 11. Hey coach, wanted to reach out to you. Uh, I, you know, hadn't heard from you in a while. I pulled up your page on Facebook and I see you talking about infinite banking a lot. Okay. So this kid is, you know, probably in his late twenties and, um, love the kid to death. He's an awesome kid. So he starts having this conversation with me and he said, Hey, I have somebody that knows about this. I've been researching it for three, four months. He actually has a friend connected to some of our friends, Dave and Paul, and that's how they know each other. So as we're talking, I am very um, encouraging and excited for him. And I am just so stoked that somebody at his age is digging into this. Okay. Because he came from a little bitty town where I coach and teach, coached and taught for many years. And I'm just so excited for his thought process because it's definitely evolved in less than 10 years. And so then he asked me, he said, what is your opinion 
He's already read Becoming Your Own Banker. He told me all the things he's read, the questions he's asked. He's got a good baseline knowledge. And I said, my opinion is, is that you should interact with people who are living this because the majority of your circle is going to say that this is crazy because they are not living it. And you're going to have to make a decision that I'm okay with not doing what everybody else does, but you need to know why that's important to you. So by the end of the conversation, he asked me, he goes, can I go through y'all's process just to see if there's something else I can learn because I want to be sure I'm doing this the right way. And I thought that was just such a cool thing for somebody, you know, that I coached to go, I realize I don't know hardly anything and I want to learn as much as I can. <clears throat> the other key piece is who we surround ourselves with is going to have a lot to do with where we go. And it is that simple. So he's already got some people in his circle who are talking about this often, who are trying to live it. That's going to be so much easier for him than going to the water cooler at work and nobody in the room. Everybody in the room thinks whole life is bad or infinite banking is bad or some kind of scam and trying to stick to that. So let's let let's talk about skepticism because that was really our conversation that evolved there as he goes do you think i'm wise in being skeptical till i understand better i said absolutely absolutely skepticism is good okay um intuition discernment that all kind of ties in but a question that we ask often is if you are being skeptical on this what will it take for you to no longer be skeptical so y'all talk about how skepticism plays a role, good, bad, or indifferent, maybe some things you've seen and uh, any other thoughts you have. So as far as the the mindset <clears throat> and um, having thick skin, my my verified Twitter slash X account is Nate, the <laughs> infinite banking coach. And I have over 50,000 followers on there. Imagine how much hate I get almost daily. Um, and that was something that, that, Mike just didn't tell us about our mentors whenever we first got started with this. They didn't they didn't say you're probably gonna get some hate. Of course they weren't out there on social media the way we were uh, or the way we are now. Um but uh I just had a, a Twitter DM the other day. This guy DMs me to tell me to go die in a fire and then he <laughs> I can't even I can't even respond to him. He's like, please go die in a fire. I was like <laughs> Okay. That's pretty uh, intense. Good thing, I'm, good thing I'm not depressed right now. <laughs> <laughs> he may have just angled up fire. Um, but, you know, skeptical just means that you haven't learned enough about a subject. Otherwise, you would have a definitive position. So being skeptical is a good thing. That is a sign that you need to press into whatever that subject is. So when people say, hey, um, I'm skeptical about this, awesome. Are you willing to learn? That's the better question. Hey, you can be skeptical. I can be skeptical about all, all kinds of things. But if I want to stay skeptical, then I don't actually put forth the effort to go learn anything about it. So if you're skeptical, are you willing to learn? Willing to learn? Great. We'll teach you as much as you want to learn. And then you can decide. Then you'll now have a definitive position on something. Mm-hmm. And it's much better in my opinion like to have definitive positions on things than to remain skeptical and um really 
skeptical really means ignorant. It really means you just don't have all the information you need right now to make. If you continue, if you continue to stay there, you are choosing to stay in that position of skepticism, which I think a lot of times the world um, encourages because it keeps the dumpster fire going. If you really just thought about the the thought process of skepticism, let's just use infinite banking. If you really ask from a different angle of instead of staying skeptical, how long have you been skeptical? Well, 10 years. So you're telling me in 10 years, you've what you're really saying is you've chose skepticism over definitive position. It's really what you're, you're not choosing what you believe on something. And I'm just going to say for my own life, being skeptical about something for a long time is unhealthy because it really keeps you in this framework of negativity, I think, based off of how most people view skepticism as a negative thing instead of potentially a very powerful, positive thing. Brock, I see you nodding your head. What are you thinking? So. <laughs> early on in my career, and, and it'll, it'll flash itself every once in a while, but I used to pride myself on making sure that the other person that I was talking to knew that they were wrong and I was right. And sometimes it comes up every now and then because I know that I've put in, I've put in the work and I've studied. And sometimes if somebody presses, it just grinds my gears, you know, I'll, I'll flash a few things that I, I need to. But one of the things that, you know, you got to ask yourself if, if you're questioning the infinite banking system concept, if you're questioning whole life insurance, well, let's just ask a few questions. How many whole life insurance illustrations have you looked at? How many different whole life insurance illustrations have you looked at from different companies? How many calculations have you done on the different designs of whole life contracts from different companies? How many books have you read about whole life insurance or the infant banking concept? How much time have you spent with someone who uses one of these policies? How much time have you been with somebody who designs these policies? How much time have you spent in studying what other people say about it? How much time or have you ever gone to a class that specifically talks about whole life insurance or the infinite banking concept? And, you know, I would fare to say if you have done less than, you know, probably two hours of study, you probably don't know much. So and TikTok have, right now? It's correct. TikTok. Okay. 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 Uh, no matter, no matter if, if you sat on TikTok for three hours watching different reels. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, or if you've never read a book about it, or if you've never actually looked at an illustration and the difference between what it might look like if you do an all base contract, or if you do 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30, 10, whatever it is, if you have not sat down, looked at an illustration, walked through the numbers, how it works, why it works, how it can be implemented, then whatever you say about whether that's the infinite banking concept or whole life insurance is completely void because you do not know what you do not know. And I hate to say it, but if you were to say something, it's going to actually come out as a lie because you're trying to speak on something 
that you don't have an actual answer on, nor proof. Go, That's it. Going back to what I was talking about on Twitter, um, there have been people who have come at me before that I have offered, hey, and they, they're more of the traditional Dave Ramsey types. And I've offered, hey, let's spend some time together, like go through our process from start to finish. And it won't obligate you, but you'll get to see everything, you know, everything we teach and all that stuff. And I've had people who said, no, that's okay. Like, okay. And the large percentage of people in the country, their knowledge of whole life insurance is based off something Dave Ramsey screams into a microphone of, oh, it's just a big fat commission for the insurance agent and all, all this other stuff. Here's what's funny. I've said this on Twitter before. Dave Ramsey convinced everybody that whole life insurance was terrible and they needed to, to buy term insurance and invest the difference. And the mainstream media gave him a platform to do that. Yeah. What do we so know? Then you, what, do we, what, do, what do most people believe about mainstream media today? Is it set up for our empowerment and success? Or is it set up as a control mechanism, something that keeps us checked? So just like Brock said, if you have a negative opinion of whole life insurance, you need to do some more research. And I don't know if I've said this on here before, but I say it a lot. If you think real estate is a valuable um, asset, a valuable investment, if you love real estate, you should love life insurance or you should at least understand whole life insurance because the characteristics of whole life insurance and real estate are unbelievably close to one another. I'm going to... Um... I'm going to use that thought process, Nate, and share a little bit about what we've learned the hard way. Because I just heard Brock in the back of my mind say, well, why do you believe you should invest in whole life? Or why do you believe you should invest in real estate? Why is a more important question than the product you're going to put your money into? And so I'm going to, I'm going to drill down for a second on thought processes. And Nate, you said that, you know, you made the comment about what do people believe the media is? I'm going to I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you. I'm going to make the argument that I think 60 to 75 percent of people still like to be told things by the media. And I'm going to I'm going to prove that with a thought that I, I've seen. I spend all this time going around and playing baseball and hanging out with different people from different backgrounds, cultures, thought processes. And if you really sit down and get to visit with them, I'm going to say on a very conservative side, more than half of them are still consumed by what the news tells them. It's affecting their daily life. And whereas you and I get to be in these conversations daily where people recognize the point you just made, there first has to be like this. Um, these scales have to be removed from the eyes and you have to want to see something different. You have to be around people that ask profound questions to make you think about how you think. So in the traditional world, this is a counter to any time I get a lot of heat about what I'm doing. I will often say, now this is what people who are really wanting to learn. I'm not, I'm Pat, Nate and I were past the point of having an argument about this. I could not say that early on in our, uh, our career in this, but now I can't. I'll just make the comment of I have tried and done what you're telling me I should still be doing. I did it for 15 years. I, I have a compare and contrast. I did it that way. And now I'm doing it this way. 
But the thing that I want to really emphasize is this. In the traditional financial model, you have to ask yourself, who has control? You really got to let that marinate. Who controls the environment the money goes into? How and when I put it in? How and when I get it out? And how it will be affected when I do so? And what are the terms? What we know now is that our most valuable asset is the three guys on the screen. We are each our most individual important asset. And the more we value ourselves, the more opportunity we can go take hold of when the time is right. So I tell people all the time now, now you say this all the time, whole life is a privileged asset. Not everybody qualifies. That is not something you can just walk up and go, hey, give me a whole lot policy and give me as much as possible. There are a ton of rules that have to be uh, checked off or boxes have to be checked off to obtain that. So if I know I'm my most valuable asset, which we'll say investing in yourself is the most important place to invest first and more often and always, why wouldn't I ensure that? If your home is your safest asset that you live in, do you insure it? Absolutely you do. The car that you drive around in, do you make sure it has insurance to protect it if you get an accident? Absolutely you do. So if I and Nate and Brock are our most valuable assets, why would we ever not protect it in a way that could give our family multiple benefits for the rest of our life? And that is different than what the traditional financial world teaches you. Now, for a word that we hear th thrown around a lot is savings, okay? I still save money just like you guys do. I just save it in a different environment that is much more uh, beneficial to me today, tomorrow, and in the future. So when y'all hear the word savings and traditional thought processes, how does that all tie into what you know about the infinite banking concept now? And also I want to touch a little bit on what's the commitment and the time frame of doing the infinite banking concept. What are y'all's thoughts on that? I'll answer first yeah. and I'll, I'll throw a few things in there. So one, we are not saying that Dave Ramsey is the devil. Um, he is good for some people, but there does come a point in somebody's life when they need to graduate from there and start building wealth. Yep. The next thing that I would talk about is first a joke, because when we talk about savings, well, you can't because nobody in America saves apparently because that's what all the statistics say. Yep. However, <clears throat> if we were to be saving, I would want it to be in a place where it's going to grow with me through time. So one of the things that I talk to a lot of young uh, men about in my practice is if you are younger than 30 years old, you are probably in your lowest economic standpoint in your entire life. We hope. <clears throat> the reality is that our highest earning potential years are the ages between 45 and 55. Well, if we want to produce an environment for the maximum and most efficient results during that time, we must start today because with money, the main impact comes later. 
because that's the time value of money. It, it is a time-tested principle that is just how it works. And so if we want a major impact later, we must start today and be able to allow that to take its form over time so that when we do get there, now we're in a much better position than we would have if we would have gone the default structure of what most of America does and doesn't save, only puts money in their retirement accounts and spends all the rest. Hopefully that answered the question. That's good. Yep. So a lot of times we'll kind of use this to finish up with, and we're going to talk mechanics just briefly. And I'm going to go back to Brock with the questions you asked earlier about, you know, how much have you read about the infinite banking concept? What books have you read? Who have you spent time with that's living this? I'm reminded of the young man I was talking to yesterday. His questions were so good because he recognized he didn't know what he didn't know. I mean, and, and you guys know that is the most fun client for us to potentially work with is the one that goes, I'm all ears. I will, I will take any information you have and I want to soak it all in and absorb it. Go do my own research, come back with more questions. So one of the coolest things that we get to do, and I want everybody to really listen to this. There is never a time when any of us are working with somebody and taking them through the process that we believe in and we live to where we are requiring somebody to find new money or make new income to be able to apply this concept and thought process. What happens every time is money's flowing through somebody's life. It's going here. It's going there. It's going here. It's stopping there. And we just <clears throat> use really good questions, truthful questions, money principles that have been around forever, tried and true, tested, and we start going, well, what if you moved it here first and then here and then here? And people start going, oh, my gosh, that's not new money that I'm having to come up with. I'm not having to go earn more money. I'm just changing how it flows through my life and I'm getting more benefits. So if you think about chess, a lot of times when people play chess and I'm by no means anything other than a below average chess player, a lot of people just throw away the pawns with no intention of how it's going to get them to the mid game and the end game. But your people who are very successful with money know that how those pieces move early in life have a dramatic impact on the end game later in life. Now, let me say this. We work with people every day that are in their forties, fifties and sixties. And if you're willing to rethink your thinking, you can have a dramatic effect on the next 20, 30, 40 years and your next generation's life because you are valuing your most valuable asset yourself. So mechanically speaking, this is more about behavior first always and being willing to learn. So you guys tie me up on some, tie this up on some maybe most impactful things that have jumped out in our conversation today. And uh, we'll kind of conclude from there. Well, you were talking just now reminds me of something that I say often when I'm meeting with people, Hey, we're just going to look at everything that you're already doing and showing you, show you how to maximize the efficiency of it by applying the concept. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, your job is just keep doing what you're doing. Go make as much as you want to make. Um, and our job is to show you how to keep more of what you make so you can earn on more of what you keep. 
And the bottom line is like, that's really what it all boils down to early on in this business, having a ministry background for some people, they were like, Oh, you know, you're, you're out there promoting money and trying to get people rich and all this stuff. And, um, when you understand that money doesn't really change your character, it just magnifies it. So if you're a dirt bag, you're going to be a dirt bag with money. (laughs) It's going to be ugly. Yeah. If, if, if you have, uh, if you're, if you have a genuine heart for, for helping people and everything like that, man, you're just going to be able, you're going to be empowered to help people on a larger scale. And so when people were kind of like, Oh, you're, you're pastor, but you're also talking about money. I'm not, I'm not saying go out and, you know, make a ton of money, get rich quick, whatever. I'm saying the money that is already flowing through your life. What if we could make it more efficient and efficiency creates better stewardship. It's good. Brock, take us home. What you thinking? What I'm thinking is I would welcome the skepticism of someone who wanted to walk through this process or wanted to learn more um, or try and prove why they're right. And I may be wrong. And um, I think what, what you need to take away from this call is if, if you're thinking about your own finances, if you're thinking about implementing the infinite banking concept, one of the things that you want to make sure that you remember is how much control do you have over your own money and what is the impact that you want to create with it in your own life and in the lives of those you share that's good so at the end of the day to tie that off is really money is an amplifier of who you are or who you want to be and that's really the key piece uh there's a great book business secrets from the bible that basically says money is just the greatest indicator of the condition of our heart It's really what it is. And so we want to teach you how to keep more of it. So your heart to help people or to pour into others or to start a nonprofit or to grow a company that can help more people has the opportunity to do that more efficiently and quicker and, uh, and last longer. That's really a key piece too. So, uh, we appreciate your time today. Uh, hit those buttons that uh, say that you enjoyed this. If you did, we would be very grateful. Comment, send us an email to cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. And we'll tell you how to take, how we can take you through our process. And key piece, it didn't cost you anything other than time and willingness to commit to going through our process to go through it. We don't charge anything upfront as far as how to get into our process, except for the only thing you have to do is be willing to learn and be willing to spend some time doing it. And then you'll get to decide if you're still skeptical or if you're like, oh, there might be something new that I'm ready to implement in my life, which is you know, it's just as exciting. So have a great day. We'll catch you on the next one.